Friday lunchtime lectures at the Open Data Institute. Hi everyone, good afternoon and welcome to today's ODI Friday's lunchtime lecture. I'm Hannah, I'm the Head of Marketing Membership here at the ODI. Um, every year thousands of lives are uh, lost through workplace accidents and ill health. The Health and Safety Executive is leading the way in improving global health and safety performance through the new Discovering Safety Programme. Here to tell us more is Stephen from the HSE. Um, I'd just like to do a few housekeeping things before we move on. Uh, the first one is, if you've got any questions, please wait till the end um, and I'll pass you this mic. It won't amplify your voice, so um, just please speak into it so people watching online can hear. And secondly, if you are watching on the live stream, please use hashtag ODI Fridays uh, to ask your questions and I'll read them out at the end. Over to you, Stephen. Thank you very much for the introduction and uh, good afternoon to everyone uh, in the room and uh, the same to those uh, joining uh, online. Um, as Hannah said, my name's Steve Naylor and I'm a data scientist working out of uh, HSE's uh, science division. Um, HSE is the regulator of uh, health and safety across uh, Great Britain. Uh, and I'm here today to provide uh, an overview of the work that we do uh, as an organisation. Uh, and in particular, how we use uh, data science and data analytics to support uh, HSE's regulatory function uh, and its mission to prevent uh, death, uh, injury and ill health in uh, Great Britain's uh, workplaces. Um, my plan for the uh, presentation is uh, as, followed, uh, as follows. Sorry. Um, I'll first of all introduce uh, the, the broad challenge that we face uh, as uh, health and safety practitioners, uh, whether we are uh, regulators or the, uh, the regulated. Um, I'll then provide an overview of what we feel is a... Uh, an appropriate and suitable data-driven strategy for actually dealing with these cha uh, challenges uh, in today's uh, uh, world uh, of uh, advanced analytics and, and big data. Um, I'll then provide an introduction to uh, HSE's Discovering Safety Programme that's looking to do actually that very thing, to bring to bear cutting-edge data science and data analytics to solve uh, global health and safety problems. Um, I'll talk about uh, some of the, the broad aspirations uh, for the programme, what we're looking to achieve, the impacts that we're hoping to actually uh, uh, deliver. Um, talk about some of the specific projects that uh, we're looking to deliver as part of the programme uh, and some of the tools and techniques we're looking to develop and apply. Um, and then I'll close with uh, some uh, uh, concluding remarks. Okay, so first off, the, uh, the global health and safety challenge that uh, countries uh, and uh, uh, organisations uh, face currently. And, and this is a, a generic challenge that's shared across many parts of the developed world and across uh, many uh, organisations today. Uh, and it's that the, the challenge of uh, delivering continuous improvements in health and safety performance is becoming harder and harder. Um, and it's in part because of the, the significant uh, uh, improvements um, and progress that we've made over the last uh, 30 years with regards uh, health and safety. And this is reflected in the time series that we've got on this uh, slide here, which uh, illustrates generally uh, the fact that fatality rates have uh, reduced uh, significantly over the last uh, 30 years in uh, the typical workplaces in the developed world. Um, and um, the, uh, the central challenge uh, for us as uh, health and safety practitioners um, like in any sort of uh, enterprise, is to deliver continuous improvements in what we're looking to achieve. Um, and I think there are two uh, adages that are particularly relevant 
to health and safety today. Uh, the first is that uh, the more you improve at something, the harder it is to actually deliver further improvements and continuous improvements. And that's certainly the case with health and safety. Um, and I think the other adage that's really relevant is that uh, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. It's a, a common adage that's uh, used across many disciplines, and it's very much the case within uh, health and safety and within uh, uh, data uh, analytics uh, as well. And that's really what we're looking to uh, change uh, and address as a, uh, as a, a research programme and as a, uh, a regulator as well. Um, we are looking to actually bring to bear cutting-edge analytics to effectively break through those performance plateaus um, so we can reduce uh, accidents and uh, injuries across workplaces uh, further. And how are we looking to uh, do that? Well, I mean, our, our philosophy is very much founded on the belief that we need to push safety analytics as a scientific discipline up the, uh, cl the classic uh, knowledge pyramid. Um, the conversations that we have with uh, industry highlights very much that, obviously with exceptions, a lot of the safety analytics that are actually carried out uh, by organisations and across the health and safety community is very much focused uh, in the middle of the uh, knowledge uh, pyramid diagram that we've got here. So it's very much focused on the use of uh, descriptive techniques to document effectively what's happening at a particular point in time or what has happened. So from a health and safety point of view, uh, where failures have happened, who they've uh, happened to, uh, and uh, uh, where they've actually happened. Um, and obviously data analytics can actually uh, elucidate uh, uh, far more useful insights than uh, just those things. And that's very much what we're looking to do. Um, and we feel that uh, if we're able to actually uh, uh, provide intelligence to allow some of those higher value questions to be addressed, then we'll go some way in actually uh, delivering continuous improvements in performance. Um, and I suppose the next step up from uh, the, uh, the, the use of data to uh, profile how things are doing is to use it to actually discover uh, new knowledge and new insights. Uh, and obviously within health and safety, with the uh, changing, uh, dynamically changing uh, workplace across the world, there's always new and emerging risks that are arising in workplaces. And data science and data analytics can play an important role in actually identifying some of those. If we take another step up again, up, up the pyramid, the ability to actually be more proactive in how we actually undertake health and safety will be a huge step forward. So rather than it being a reactive exercise, the potential to be able to actually predict what's around the corner and then do something about it uh, before it actually happens is potentially uh, hugely powerful. Um, and then I suppose the step up uh, um, uh, uh, further then is uh, the use of prescriptive tools and techniques that are actually being used to actually inform a specific course of action. Um, so that's the journey that we feel that we're on at the moment. Uh, and the uh, Discovering Safety Programme, which we'll talk about a little bit more uh, in this presentation, uh, is very much looking to do that. In terms of what this looks at a, uh, an organisational level, effectively at the, uh, the, the, the coalface within workplaces, what we've tried to do in this slide here is to give you an idea of the sorts of tools and techniques that are typically used by organisations. And potentially, if we're looking to push analytics along the continuum, what new tools and techniques that we can actually bring to bear. Um, so the foundations for any uh, data analytics strategy 
um, is to get the, uh, the, the data foundations obviously right. Um, and there's been big leaps forward and progress made uh, within uh, industry over the last five or ten years with the introduction of uh, enterprise content management systems that are effectively looking to bring together data that was previously spread across an organisation on lots of different networks and computers and getting it linked into one uh, virtual place. Uh, and that obviously opens up uh, opportunities to do far more with the data when we've actually got it uh, in that uh, uh, format and uh, stored in that way. It obviously introduces new challenges uh, as well and we hear a lot about uh, the challenges of, of big data and being able to actually extract useful insights when data is actually stored in that way. But it's potentially a big uh, leap forward. Um, and then I think if we're actually going to progress uh, along the continuum um, with the uh, advent of new tools and techniques centred around uh, text mining and natural language processing and the, the emergence of cognitive analytics uh, as a, dis a discipline. It's really changing the face of how data analytics uh, can be used um, in many disciplines and not just uh, health and safety. Um, so what I've tried to illustrate here is this gradual transition uh, away from data being the unit of analysis when we're actually carrying out uh, data analytics and data science projects and a move towards uh, units of, uh, of knowledge being the, uh, the, the analytic currency. Um, and I'll uh, illustrate how uh, some of the projects that we're actually carrying out uh, with our own work is uh, looking to, uh, to actually do that. Okay, so on to uh, just a little bit of background to the uh, D Discovering Safety programme. Um, so this is a, a five-year research programme that's funded by um, a grant from the uh, Lloyd's Register Foundation. Um, and it's uh, bringing together uh, expertise across uh, HSE's science division and its uh, operation and regulatory functions and uh, academics across the uh, University of Manchester. Um, so we're looking to actually tap the exp expertise across a, a number of uh, academic schools across Manchester, including the Data Science and uh, AI Institute and their engineering uh, schools as well. And the research is... Uh, being delivered through the, uh, the newly established uh, Thomas Ashton Institute, which is effectively the umbrella organisation that brings together all those capabilities uh, under the one uh, uh, place, if you like. Um, in terms of the, uh, the foundations for the programme, um, as you can imagine, HSE as a regulator generates huge amounts of uh, data as part of its day-to-day uh, -day regulatory function. So incidents that get reported to uh, HSE by uh, workplaces and uh, 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 organisations and concerns that get reported by members of the public and the workers themselves. Um, and typically HSE is, is fielding about 70 to 80,000 uh, reports of, uh, of accidents that occur in uh, workplaces that are above the threshold for requiring uh, reporting. So a huge amount of information coming into the organisation um, and a huge amount of information that's then generated off the back of uh, the regulatory activities that HSE actually carries out. So approximately 20 to 25,000 inspections are carried out by HSE's uh, inspectors in response to uh, some of the incidents that get reported. And then also as part of uh, HSE's uh, ongoing programme of proactive inspection efforts. Um, and that obviously generates a huge amount of information on the extent to which uh, risks are actually controlled uh, in workplaces. Uh, and very often this is in response to particular accidents that are being reported. Uh, and a lot of the 
the intelligence that's uh, generated through the inspection work is really trying to get at the heart of the reasons why those uh, failures have actually happened. So really robust, useful, insightful learning that's generated just off the back of day-to-day uh, -day operations. HSE has its science division that provides more detailed support to HSE's regulatory function. If uh, particularly in situations where uh, the, uh, the accidents involve complex failures of equipment um, or just very complex scenarios generally that have gone wrong. Uh, and we can bring to bear some of uh, the expertise across our science division to actually do that as well. Um, and that activity, that work generates additional information that's uh, useful uh, for us as, uh, as data scientists. Um, and what we're looking to do on the Discovering Safety programme is effectively make better use of that data set than we've done before. It's fair, fair to say that certainly uh, uh, five to ten years ago, like lots of organisations, that data landscape was uh, very complex across HSE. So like many organisations, data was held disparately in lots of different places. Uh, and there's been huge progress and advances made over recent years to actually get those uh, data sets and those resources into a format, into a place, into a structure that allows us to make better collective use of it. Uh, and the Discovering Safety Programme is looking to continue that uh, work that uh, we started. Um, we recognise that uh, the data that we hold as a regulator is only the tip of the, uh, the safety data iceberg. Um, it's uh, only that data that actually uh, 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 relates to accidents that uh, are above that threshold for requiring uh, regulatory intervention. But industry themselves hold a huge amount of additional useful uh, data relating, relating to how work is actually carried out uh, and uh, the, the safety dimension uh, to uh, those work activities. And we're really keen as a research programme to uh, tap the value uh, and the learning in that data uh, as well. Um, and that data typically mirrors a lot of the data that HSE collects as, uh, an, organis as uh, an organisation. So very much centred around uh, um, uh, incident reports and uh, uh, inspection reports and investigation reports. Um, and then also more proactive uh, activities that are carried out across uh, organisations um, as part of uh, efforts to continuously monitor how uh, uh, risks are being controlled uh, and how uh, accidents are being prevented. So things like walkabouts, uh, uh, formal audits, uh, uh, occupational uh, hygiene, uh, 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 work uh, and the like. And that all contributes to this knowledge base that uh, we're hoping to actually make use of. What we recognise as a regulator uh, also is that uh, the data landscape is uh, changing uh, significantly uh, for us and for the organisations that we regulate. And that's in part in, in response to this the emergence of technologies that uh, we often term industry four technologies. They're a reflection of the fact that the technologies that are used in workplaces to actually direct and uh, inform day-to-day -day operations are becoming hugely more complicated um, and uh, connected with the advent of the, the industry, uh, uh, internet of things uh, and the like. Uh, and that's uh, generating uh, additional data sets that we can actually make use of um, as uh, R&D uh, practitioners. So technologies such as uh, wearable devices, um, aerial drones that uh, can potentially be used 
to uh, uh, monitor uh, structural integrity uh, of uh, assets. Obviously, video and CCTV, which is primarily used for security and access control purposes, but it opens up opportunities to actually support uh, the uh, surveillance uh, of workplaces. If we can develop the, uh, the analytic tools and techniques that can actually tap, uh, tap some of those uh, data uh, sources. We also have then uh, mobile apps and smart devices that are increasingly used by workers when they're actually carrying out uh, tasks as well. Uh, and all these things are, are generating uh, um, additional uh, uh, volumes of data that we can actually make use of. Um, but what we recognise is that the challenge associated with actually tapping them are quite different to uh, the challenges that we've faced before. Um, so in this era where the desire to actually uh, analyse data real-time, generate insights real-time and then action real-time obviously opens up huge challenges uh, for us as data scientists in being able to actually do that. Uh, but again, these are some of the things that we're grappling with uh, as part of uh, our research work. So in terms of how we actually make all this uh, our reality, um, we really are big advocates of this idea of uh, creating uh, data trusts. And, and obviously the Discovery and Safety Programme is a, a big start along that journey. Um, so we're effectively creating a, a data resource that our research partners can actually uh, make use of in addition to us to actually support some of the aims and objectives of the uh, programme. But what we envisage further down the line is the creation of some sort of effectively outward-facing resource that industry and the global stakeholder community can, that can actually uh, interact with and uh, contribute to. So it's not just a case of us using our data, generating learning and sharing the learning. What we envisage potentially is the, the creation of uh, infrastructure and a framework effectively uh, supporting R&D uh, across the, uh, the, the global stakeholder community. So our desire is for industry to feed data in uh, to our initiative. And we recognise that for them to have the appetite to do that, that there are certain things that we need to have in place. There needs to be obviously a tangible benefit to them in actually doing that uh, and we feel that some of the tools and techniques that we're developing as part, part of the programme, because the data that we're working with mirrors the data that they typically work with, we feel that making some of those tools and techniques uh, available will be you know, a good way of actually making that happen. Um, and we're also keen to actually uh, use uh, uh, stakeholders on the project to identify new challenges that we potentially can look to uh, address collectively. So that, that's really the, I suppose, the grand ambitions of uh, the programme uh, uh, further down the line. And in terms of um, how we exploit uh, this asset, um, we recognise as, uh, as a regulator that there are different ways in which we can actually get uh, learning out of uh, uh, our organisation. Um, typically, the, the, the typical model for doing this has been very much focused um, on uh, HSE's website. So any good practice material and guidance material that HSE has, um, a, a key way in which we actually get that out is, is through the, the, the website, as well as through some of the campaigns and, and obviously some of the, the, the other work that we carry out uh, as an organisation. But we kind of feel that this model of moving the focus to the, the, the data um, and bringing to bear some of these tools and techniques opens up an opportunity to uh, get some of this learning out in different ways. So rather than being reliant on the website being a repository of uh, uh, guidance material and information, what we potentially can do is actually 
changed the whole paradigm of uh, how uh, uh, information is actually uh, got out. Uh, so rather than it being very much a case of searching for the information uh, that uh, our stakeholders need, you know, we, we can change that to potentially posing the question, well, what is it do you need to know? Uh, and if we can actually develop some of the tools and techniques that allow uh, some of these uh, things to actually happen, then you know, that, that we feel will be a, a big step forward. So in terms of uh, the plans for uh, the research programme, um, we um, started uh, work in earnest uh, about uh, just uh, less uh, than a year ago. Um, and the first phase of the programme uh, has been very much focused around uh, seven uh, major projects that we're actually carrying out. Uh, and we're also looking, uh, as part of phase one, to uh, undertake a number of smaller feasibility studies that are basically looking to see um, is there potentially value in actually investing more uh, uh, R&D time in some of the more cutting-edge novel approaches uh, um, that uh, are out there and have perhaps been used in, in other disciplines. Uh, so just to go through uh, very quickly some of the projects uh, that we've actually uh, got on at the moment. Um, the, a big uh, portion of the data that we have uh, within our data repository is obviously uh, data held in free text formats. It's effectively incident reports, inspection reports, and investigation reports. So if we're going to be able to actually make good, effective, efficient, collective use of those reports, then the ability to actually text mine and use natural language processing and techniques to actually do that is, is obviously going to be key. Um, so one of the foundational projects that we've actually got on at the moment that's been delivered in partnership with uh, the University of Manchester's National Centre for Text Mining to actually look to develop some of those tools and techniques that will allow us uh, to do that. One of the other foundational projects <coughs> that uh, we've got on is effectively to look to see what are the best methods of actually getting some of the learning and some of the uh, outputs of the research out to those who can make uh, best use of it. Uh, and that's actually a, a big challenge. Um, particularly given the, the global nature of the research programme uh, and the fact that what works in one country potentially uh, might not work in uh, another. We feel that we need to give some thought to how we're actually getting uh, some of these uh, insights out. So we're, we're spending uh, a lot of time actually thinking about, uh, about those things. Um, we then have uh, a number of uh, industry-endorsed uh, use case projects that are effectively focusing specifically on a health and safety challenge, a particular domain area. Um, and they're represented uh, on the slide at the, the bottom there. So five projects that um, were uh, uh, carrying out in phase one. Uh, one that's uh, looking at making uh, a better use of uh, HSE's uh, insights and operational intelligence uh, around loss of containment events. Um, big uh, uh, issue within... Uh, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the safety domain is basically looking at some of the uh, looking at mitigating some of those uh, events that are effectively a precursor to more serious things around the corner. Um, so, um, given the, the amount of data that we've got uh, on some of these events, um, you know, we're looking to actually focus on that. We have another project that's uh, looking really to support organisations' desires to be more outward-facing in how they consider their own health and safety performance. So rather than it being an inward-facing exercise, it's very much a case of actually just uh, uh, trending 
uh, performance uh, over time and in different uh, uh, areas uh, of operations. Um, we know that uh, organisations are, you know, are really interested in learning from peers and learning from others. Um, so we're keen to create uh, the tools and techniques to uh, be able to do that. And we have a project that's specifically looking at uh, industrial product safety. Uh, obviously, uh, um, um, it's a, uh, a really important uh, area of uh, health and safety uh, with the, uh, the use of a diverse range of uh, equipment, plant machinery in uh, workplaces. Uh, and again, with the day-to-day -day, uh, uh, inspections that are carried out uh, across HSE, then we have a, a lot of useful uh, information in that area as well. Um, we have a, another project that's specifically looking at uh, supporting planners and designers of uh, major construction projects and actually better considering some of the, uh, the safety risks at the design stages uh, of projects. So it's very much a case of looking to see what intelligence have we got within HSE's data sets that can support some of those uh, decisions on construction projects. And then last but not least, we, ha we have a project that's uh, very much focused on looking generally at uh, um, what makes good leading indicators of performance uh, from a safety perspective. Um, leading indicators of performance is a really important area of uh, health and safety because if we're going to be more proactive and preventative in how we actually mitigate risks, then we need to be collecting the right sort of intelligence to be able to do that. Um, and if we have desires to use predictive analytic tools and techniques to be able to do that, then we need to know that we're collecting uh, the right data uh, to support some of those uh, initiatives. Um, so a piece of work that's uh, ongoing at the moment that's effectively looking to define what are good leading indicators in different uh, sector contexts. So that's a, a whistle-stop tour of uh, some of the major projects. I mean, as I said, we're also looking to uh, test proof of concept in, another, uh, uh, in a, a range of other areas. Um, one specifically looking at predictive analytics as a, a tool that can be used uh, for health and safety purposes. Um, another piece of work that is in recognition of the fact that uh, there's so much useful data now that we can uh, 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 glean from uh, websites and the internet. Um, lots of uh, incident uh, reporting databases and the like that are actually uh, um, hosted on, on websites and they obviously hold uh, a wealth of useful information as well and we want to make uh, best collective use of all that uh, information. So we're looking to develop the tools and techniques that are needed to actually uh, scrape and harvest that information. Um, we then have another project that's specifically uh, looking at some of those new novel emerging technologies that I mentioned uh, earlier in the presentation uh, and some of the challenges specifically with uh, using them in, in safety contexts. Um, and then the final proof of concept study is really looking and trying to tap the... The, the value of using uh, visualisation and modelling uh, in safety is a way of communicating uh, some of the risks that are actually apparent with uh, work that's actually carried out or planned to be carried out. So that gives you an idea of uh, some of the projects that uh, we're actually delivering at the moment. Um, if we're going to be successful in... Uh, encouraging organisations to feed their data into the programme. And actually, if we're going to be able, as a, a research programme ourselves, to actually share some of our data with research partners, then we obviously need to address the, the issue of uh, sensitivity of uh, certain data that we hold. Um, 
Data can be sensitive for a, a number of reasons. Um, first and foremost, it may hold, obviously, uh, personal uh, identifiable uh, data. Uh, and with the introduction of uh, the new uh, GDPR uh, regulations uh, a couple of years back, then obviously we need to be mindful if we're looking to actually bring data in and get data out as a programme. We need to be compliant with uh, those regulations. There's also potentially um, legally and commercially uh, sensitive data that we might hold as a regulator and equally that uh, uh, industry hold uh, as well. Um, and if they're going to be in a position to feed that data in, then there may well be a need to actually uh, redact and uh, desensitise uh, that data. Some of the uh, data sets that we hold on workplaces are sensitive on national security grounds, particularly uh, workplaces that uh, are perhaps uh, major infrastructure uh, um, and the like, and major hazard sites as well. Um, so there may well be a need to desensitise in relation to that. Um, and then just more generally, uh, I think if we're actually going to uh, be able to create a resource that is manageable and uh, that can actually be used uh, in an effective manner, then another key challenge is actually distilling that data down so it actually can be uh, used for the purposes that we're actually looking to uh, put it. And that can actually potentially reduce some of the risks associated with uh, the data coming in. If we're just very much focusing on the data that has value, then uh, obviously that's uh, one way of uh, uh, mitigating risks. So that's uh, some of the uh, um, issues that we have. Um, we are currently in the process of uh, piloting some uh, uh, tools and techniques that are, have actually been developed uh, uh, already uh, by uh, the... Uh, uh, by tech firms that are actually working in this space that recognise some of the challenges associated with uh, being open with uh, data. So rather than actually create tools and solutions from scratch, we're actually looking to make use of some of those uh, uh, solutions uh, and see if we can actually apply them on our own data sets. So a, a proof of concept study that we're carrying out with a, a tech firm called uh, Ohalo that's uh, actually looking at that at the moment. As I've mentioned uh, already, um, a big, big portion of the data that we have uh, within our data archives is held in uh, free text formats. So a big, uh, big element of uh, the work that we're actually carrying out is looking to develop some of the tools and techniques that uh, are needed to actually make effective, uh, effective use of that data. Um, and again, we're not looking to actually uh, uh, create solutions from scratch. Um, Natural language processing and text mining uh, have been used uh, for many, many years in uh, other disciplines, but mo most notably in the medical domains and in the clinical and, and, and biotech domains. So what we're looking to do effectively is to take some of those solutions and look to uh, adapt them and scale them for use uh, on uh, health, and health and safety data sets. And there are generally four capabilities that we're looking to uh, develop as part of as part of our work. Um, the first capability is to be able to effectively sort and cluster and classify uh, reports and documents uh, based on uh, topic content. So effectively do that initial course sorting of the information that we have uh, using topic modelling techniques. We then have a, a work stream that's specifically looking to uh, extract and identify specific content within a specific uh, 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 reports um, and look to identify content and relations 
between entities that have uh, health and safety relevance. Um, so another uh, key uh, uh, capability that we're looking to, uh, looking to develop. Third capability is once we've identified the various contents and relations, what we need to do is to be able to package it and structure it so we can actually interrogate it uh, effectively. So that, uh, that work is looking to bring to bear uh, uh, the use of knowledge graphs and uh, graph databases uh, and effectively look to create a knowledge base that allows us to answer some of the research questions that we're looking to answer. So another key fundamental capability that we're looking to address. Um, and then the final capability is obviously some of the material that we uh, have and we're working with is uh, detailed uh, reports, detailed uh, audits, detailed inspections. So what we want to be able to do is effectively distill that down into the, the, the key content that has the most value. Um, so a lot of work ongoing at the moment that's actually uh, looking to do that. So just uh, uh, mentioned already about the, uh, the, the interest in uh, scraping health and safety information off, off websites. Um, we have a project at the moment that's been uh, carried out with a, uh, a research partner called Polecat that's actually looking to uh, adapt some of the tools and techniques that they've developed for use in different uh, areas of application, um, mainly looking at uh, reputation risk uh, and uh, corporate risk. Um, and looking to see, can we actually use some of those tools to identify risks pertaining to uh, health and safety uh, types of uh, topics. So what we're looking to do with uh, that project is basically create tools and techniques that can scrape uh, information on uh, major health and safety accidents that have happened around the world that are perhaps uh, detailed and described in uh, news feeds, news bulletins, uh, news websites uh, uh, and the like. And it obviously is a, a, you know, a great resource, particularly uh, when we're uh, talking about those parts of the world where perhaps the uh, incident reporting and investigation uh, databases that they uh, have are perhaps not as uh, comprehensive as uh, you know, in some other parts of the world. Um, some of the other uh, uh, key intelligence that we're looking to actually scrape is uh, information pertaining to uh, new and uh, emerging risks that uh, are relevant in uh, different sectors, uh, different parts of the world, new regulations, new standards that are actually uh, being considered or being introduced uh, in different parts of the world, and also examples and case studies of uh, new technologies that uh, are being trialled and uh, are being uh, piloted. So this obviously will just add just additional resolution and uh, value to the data that we uh, hold currently. Okay, on to just a, a number of uh, case studies that illustrate the use of uh, different uh, analytic uh, uh, techniques uh, across the programme. Um, so I mentioned already that uh, there's uh, a lot of interest uh, across industry in being able to be more outward facing and how they consider the health and safety performance. Uh, we recognise that we actually have a huge amount of information that comes into us on uh, accidents uh, that happen uh, in different workplaces. And if we're able to actually package and curate uh, and generate uh, uh, accident rates for different types of occupations, that's potentially a great resource for organisations to use to kind of compare how they're doing uh, in relation to uh, some of those work activities. So we have a piece of work that's looking to create uh, tools that effectively allow organisations to enter information in 
on their workforces, the work that they're actually carrying out, and generate weighted averages based on that information, based on the information that HSE has. Um, we're also really interested in this idea of creating uh, the infrastructure and frameworks, allowing organisations to feed their data in at a particular point of time as part of a, a formal benchmarking exercise. Um, and obviously the, the need to actually consider uh, how that data is managed and how we treat that data and how we e effectively communicate the, uh, the, the outputs of the exercises are, are key challenges that uh, we're looking to uh, address uh, as part of our work. And so it gives you an idea of some of the, the ways that we're looking to use descriptive analytics uh, on, our, on our work. I mentioned uh, already about the, the value, uh, particularly within the health and safety space, of being able to identify new and emerging risks that uh, are actually uh, um, coming uh, um, uh, up in different workplaces. Uh, and we have a, a piece of work that's uh, looking to, uh, to do that. And the starting point for us really is to use some of the text mining tools that we're developing to identify uh, some of the key uh, uh, elements uh, and uh, factors that are on the, uh, this classic bow tie diagram, which is a way really of thinking about health and safety and some of the, the key factors that determine uh, uh, the uh, risks in workplaces and the potential likelihood of uh, a different uh, accidents taking place. Um, so the text mining work is looking to identify these across uh, our archive um, of uh, health and safety data. Uh, and once we've actually got uh, that data actually in a format that allows us to interrogate it. The, the, the potential to actually look for associations and identify precursors uh, of things actually going wrong is obviously uh, magnified uh, substantially. Um, another piece of work that uh, we're, we're looking to uh, undertake as part of the programme is to see and test the extent to which we can actually use predictive analytics to predict uh, health and safety uh, endpoints based on information that organisations uh, are actually collecting routinely. Um, obviously, I mentioned before, a key starting point for that is having the confidence that you're actually collecting the right data that is going to provide you the signal to be able to actually predict the things that you're wanting to actually prevent. Um, so the work that we're undertaking on lead indicators provides the foundations really for looking to uh, see can we actually predict, predict uh, some of the, uh, the endpoints that we're wanting to prevent. And that doesn't necessarily have to be uh, accidents and uh, injuries. It could potentially be the prediction of uh, non-compliances observed uh, on inspections uh, and uh, audits. It's very much a case of actually building a data set that allows you to actually explore the associations that uh, you're wanting to, to investigate. And then the final case study, just to illustrate, I suppose, how some of the outputs of the, the various uh, analytic uh, exercises that we can carry out can actually be used directly to inform specific actions and specific uh, practices that uh, have uh, safety relevance. A lot of uh, work that's uh, um, uh, going on at the moment, looking to see can we actually prevent uh, when uh, different safety critical equipment is uh, likely to fail. Um, and I think it's a, a nice analogy to, uh, I suppose, the way the uh, inspection uh, regimes on uh, people's cars uh, are taking place now. So we're moving away from 
that model where it's very much the case of your car being inspected on a year-by-year -year basis, uh, and perhaps even prior to that, when it actually broke down, um, which uh, is uh, represented at the very bottom uh, of this pyramid. So we're gradually moving to a situation where uh, inspections and maintenance are actually carried out when they're specifically needed, not necessarily um, um, at uh, particular points uh, in time. And potentially with the, the fine detailed data that we're actually able to collect across different workplaces, it potentially gives us the opportunity to predict with a really fine resolution when an actual failure is likely to take place. So it doesn't necessarily mean that the equipment is actually starting to fail, um, which is obviously a, you know, a big a big plus and a big benefit from a safety point of view. So that gives you just an idea of uh, some of the case studies, some of the projects that we have on, and some of the ways in which we're actually using uh, data analytics uh, from a safety point of view. Um, just to go back to the initial question that we posed at the, at the very outset, um, how we can use data to improve uh, safety uh, at work. I think there's um, really six... Uh, ways in which we're looking to do this as a, an organisation and a research programme. I think first off, the ability to actually predict uh, accidents that might be around the corner um, rather than actually reacting to accidents that have actually happened. That's a big step forward. That obviously allows us to be far more proactive <coughs> in how we undertake uh, health and safety rather than it being very much a reactive exercise that's driven by when particular failures actually happen. Um, it's allowing us to be far more evidence-based in how we actually investigate accidents and we uh, understand what the underlying causes of failures are. So rather than relying very much on gut feel, intuition, human judgment and tacit knowledge, the use of data analytics allows us to bring evidence-based uh, decision-making into that mix. Not particularly saying that uh, um, human judgment and expertise is uh, going to be obsolete. It's very much a case of actually having the entirety of evidence that we need together to make uh, the, the best decisions. I think the, uh, the other uh, way, the, the other um, intelligence and insight that uh, we're, we're generating is basically being able to um, prevent accidents uh, rather than actually mitigating them uh, when they happen. So very much linked to that idea of uh, uh, prediction and uh, being proactive. Um, one of the other ways, obviously, is it's always preferable to actually address risks um, at the design and planning stages of any sort of work activity at any sort of project. And I think if we have the, the data on past operating experience uh, to hand, it allows us to actually make those judgments and uh, really uh, let that actually happen. Um, and I think the final, uh, um, final big plus and uh, you know, big benefit of uh, using data analytics uh, in these ways is it allows us to be more targeted in the way we actually use our uh, health and safety data resources that are typically uh, limited and uh, typically scarce uh, across organisations. And I'd like to uh, end there. Thank you. Thank you very much, Stephen. Do you have any questions? You've got one? If you mind just speaking to the mic, it won't amplify your voice, but... Hi there, yeah, I was wondering, do you have any sort of verdict results yet, and how do you quantify success of the project? 
and success on the project, um, very much based on, I, I suppose, the, uh, the uptake and use of some of the tools that are actually uh, creating. Um, mentioned that uh, a number of the projects are endorsed by different parts of uh, industry. Um, and the idea is certainly for the end of phase one and the start of phase two is to actually identify test beds for using some of these tools and techniques. So the first phase is very much about uh, you know, creating the solutions. Um, and we're hoping in uh, phase two, which is due to start uh, in uh, April of next year, that we'll be able to actually answer that very question. Um, so work with uh, industry um, to see how they can actually implement and deploy some of these tools in their workplaces. And that gives us the opportunity then to see you know, what, the potential, uh, what the potential benefits are. Yeah, I mean, it, it's an important part, obviously, of the, the, the research programme to, to be able to demonstrate uh, impact, and we want to be able to, to quantify that. So you know, there will be uh, some evaluations of some of the projects that uh, are actually going to be planned, and you know, we'll be able to basically see you know, where the, uh, the benefits are, uh, you know, are, are the greatest. Do you have an idea of now what success looks like? I think success for us is ultimately breaking, evidence of breaking through some of those performance plateaus. Um, and also, you know, in those parts of the world that are perhaps a little bit further behind on the journey, actually accelerating the decline in accident rates in those countries. You know, I think if we're able to be able to link some of the evaluation work that would be carrying out across the specific projects to evidence that uh, accident rates are actually coming down in those workplaces. It'll be kind of, you know, uh, good evidence that uh, we're actually moving in the right direction. Thank you. Any more questions? I, I've got one. Um, clearly what you're doing here by sharing data is, as a regulator, transforming how you operate, but also uh, transforming how... Uh, the industry also uh, responds to and, and reports um, uh, accidents in the workplace. But because you're dealing with so many different types of organisations, presumably, how do you go about the culture change that comes with the sort of the, the, the more kind of data sharing, more, um, uh, I suppose, uh, IT side of things? How do you, how do you um, uh, convince people that it's a good thing to do? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great question. I mean... They, we recognise that it's not just simply a case of advocate, advocating some of these more advanced uh, tools and techniques. Um, you know, the, the organisations are at different uh, uh, locations on that uh, continuum, you know, and it's very much a case of actually being able to make incremental steps. Um, and I, I think that's what we're, we're looking to do. You know, it, we're not particularly saying that uh, actually, um, you know, there's a, a need to... Uh, change totally what organisations are already doing. I mean, some of the, the change that needs to take place is not just with the tools and techniques and way we're analysing data. It is uh, changing cultures and changing, for example, cultures of reporting accidents um, because that is the starting point for having the data to be able to actually make evidence-based decisions. So some of the, the changes that need to be based are... are Know, at more at that level, you know, it, it's changes uh, in perceptions and uh, cultures uh, as much as you know. Once we've got data, uh, what we actually do with it. Thank you. Any other questions? No. Well, could you please join me in thanking Stephen for today's talk?
You've been listening to a Friday lunchtime lecture brought to you by the Open Data Institute.